millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to episode 31 of the official Geek Speak podcast. I am your host, Sean. And join as always is my co-host, Josh Captain Busy over here, Rudy Rudolph. This is the podcast where we watch movies, make movies, play games, and more. And next episode, Josh, we're actually going to play games. Whoa. What more can you ask for? How's what, it going? It'd be, it be going. What be the games we'd be playing? You'll find out. I can't tell you yet. But I, I need do to a, prepare. No. I do have a new Christmas game for us. Because like we did last year, during the holidays, we did a big dolly bracket. <laughs> yeah. And that was very fun. Our totally arbitrary um, uh, jolly bracket. Yeah, it was good. I enjoyed it. Um, happy Thanksgiving to everyone who celebrates it. That was this past week. Um, I had a good holiday. Did you? I worked a lot. I did eat food, though, so that was good. Yeah, last year you were working on Thanksgiving. Were you working on Thanksgiving again? Yeah. How's it feel? It's fine. The theater's pretty dead when that happens. Yeah, not fun. Most episodes, we go through a different Disney Channel original movie, or DCOM for short, and we'll see how in a short period of time, the biggest media company on Earth, Disney, caters towards solely children with a large sample size, and we'll see new quality changes, etc. Um, and this episode, that's no different. We're talking about the DCOM stepsister from Planet Weird, and it is weird. We'll get into that soon. Um, it's been a fun two weeks-ish since we last recorded. We've This is our only... Actually, in November, no, never mind. We've recorded now two episodes in November. The last one's not out yet still. I'm still editing it. <laughs> so, that's great. So, how has life been for you the past few weeks? I've been working. I've been watching stuff. It's been chill. I've been stuck on God of War Ragnarok since the game came out because I have had no time to beat it. Are you enjoying it, though? Oh, very much so. I'm glad. Um, we watched for this episode Glass Onion, which is great, and we'll get to that soon. If you're new to the podcast, we go through a different Disney Channel movie. We go through news, of the, usually of the week, but this time it's two weeks um, since our last recording. And then we also end the episode with a super weird story, which I'll explain what that is when we get there. Josh, are you ready to jump into our Disney Channel movie discussion? I guess. And again, there's nothing really to spoil here. If you have not watched this movie, it's okay. It's more for us to just kind of go through and talk about these fun, weird little things that happen. Like, and this year was 12 times in 2000, right? There were 12 DCOMs in 2000. Yes, I think there was like one movie a month. Which is insane. And now we are on to Stepsister from Planet Weird. I have thoughts. Do you have thoughts? Yeah, yes and no. 
You don't have like, what? <laughs> I have thoughts, but like as the film went on, I just I started caring like less and less. <laughs> it felt long for it's, an hour twenty five. I know it was. Uh, it's I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> I we both watched this, it this today. Movie didn't, this movie didn't break me, but like I can't say it didn't. There are interesting parts in it for sure. Yeah, there um, there are interesting ideas, and there are some pretty good jokes. Okay, so the plot of this movie is a girl named Megan. Uh, her parents are divorced. Her dad's a workaholic, works twenty four seven, doesn't have doesn't have time for his mom, or for her mom. Um, and so it leaves her mom as a single mom to her and her little brother Trev or Trevor, um, one time referred to as a small noisemaker, which I think was a good joke. Mm-hmm. She meets a guy named Cosmo Cola, which. Is not a normal name. Not really, um, no. He likes cola, for sure. He likes root beer, specifically. Yes. And turns out, Cosmo Cola and his daughter Ariel, who is the stepsister from Planet Weird, they're not from Planet Weird, they're from Planet Circular something. Yeah, Cir- it literally, is called Cir- Circular it's like, isn't the name. It's a Zircular, it, it's a play on the word circle. Because they're all actually gas bubble aliens on the planet, and she and her dad are gas bubbles in vehicles of human suits. Um, yes. And they do refer to it as a vehicle, which I think is pretty interesting, because I really enjoy when the aliens in media aren't just another creature, because like, we can't always fathom what other life might be like. We have to categorize life in our eyes through our rules of life, and not all every planet would, would have those same rules, so that's pretty fun. But that's where the fun kind of stops from that part of it, the alien stuff. Yeah. You'd think the aliens would be more fun. Can of Worms had more fun aliens. Oh, Can of Worms had vastly more fun aliens. I'm not mad at them trying to do CGI for the alien stuff, because I think that's fine for them trying to do weird SNC bubble stuff for the aliens. It's definitely um, very dated, though. Yeah, definitely. I like seeing, the, seeing their planet for a little bit. It was like, okay, there's some cool things here, I guess. It's kind of floating along. Their mom... So, the stepsister name is Ariel. Um, that's her Earth name, Ariel Cola. And on her planet, her dad is a freedom fighter fighting against the Empire. <laughs> this is Star Wars. Yes. Um, <laughs> do you make the same connection, Josh, about Star Wars? I don't know. Eh. It's very loosely. It's like or like uh, Fireflies. It's like the rebellion fighting against the evil uh, Empire. But they are, the Empire only wants to do one thing: no changes. Yep. We must do the same things. I want to make change happen. I want to respect people's differences. I guess and let uh, us have choices. They they never make it explicitly clear exactly what it is they're fighting for. But we know they can't have change. Yes, change is bad. Change for the bubble and people is bad. Don't change your bubbles. <laughs> don't do it. That just raises a question for me. <laughs> like, when they die, is it just they're popped? And if they're popped, how are they getting popped by other bubbles? So, I'm getting to that part actually a little bit, because their mom, Ariel's mom died, the gas bubble girl, her mom died by being spread too thin by the wind. <laughs> and so she, so Ariel on Earth is terrified of wind. And I think it's amazing. I think it's, it's I, also not consistent. It's not consistent. The idea of it isn't bad, but like, it's really ridiculous, and they don't they can't play it straight ever, but they try to play it straight. 
But also, the very end of the movie, how they defeat the villain, I'm just like, you. someone just grab a thumbtack. Like, anyone grab a thumbtack. <laughs> it would be a lot easier. Honestly, I think I should make the YouTube thumbnail for this video, uh, the Dirty Bubble from Spongebob. Because that's what it is. <laughs> They're all the Dirty Bubble. And it's great. The Oh, so she's also not really, most movie, a stepsister, because uh, they get married at the end. That's like the last scene. Yeah. It's, it's most of the plot. You take away the alien stuff. It's your typical like two uh, two kids have to learn to get along uh, with each other, but in doing so, they try to take apart their parents' relationships and then uh, inadvertently get them closer together, and they get closer together. It's reverse parent trap, Pre- pretty much. If you've seen any kind of movie similar to that, you'll know exactly where this is going. Early Drake and Josh, similar ideas. Yeah, but they never um, try to get their parents apart. No, but a lot like similar dynamics. I mean, yeah, of the, yeah. I love Trev. Trevor, the little kid, he's great. Yeah, and also Megan's the worst character in any Disney Channel movie so far. I think she's terrible. Yeah, she doesn't really she's, have any redeeming qualities. No, she's so bad. She's also such a bigoted person the entire time, and yeah. she's supposed to be our hero in the movie. Like, no, you're awful. You hate her for you're judging her. For her differences the entire time. By her, I mean Ariel. She, Megan there, is the main girl. It's There's a certain point, like, you know, when you're a kid, like, you know, you see someone like her acting the way that she does, and, you know, you'll be like, oh, that's so weird. Like, but there's a certain point where you have to be like, okay, so I have to understand, like, this is just how they are. No, she never comes to that realization pretty much until the end. It's interesting. Uh, oh, speaking of wind, her mom, uh, the main girl, Megan, and her mom are windsurfers. So that creates an incident conflict, but also the meet-cute scene for Megan's mom and the alien dad, Cosmo. Because when they came to Earth, they had a predisposed uh, fear of wind because they're bubbles. And so the dad, Cosmo, saw M- Megan's mom windsurfing and thought she was in trouble. So he went out to try and save her from the wind. But no, she's fine. What a weird movie, Josh. It's very weird. I will say, though, the, um, Cosmo and her mom's relationship, I thought that was, like, done pretty well. And, like, it's easy to see and understand why, you know, they were quick to going about, like, getting engaged and everything. It's a little bit rushed. Oh, no, I'm not yes. saying it's not rushed. <laughs> but also, we, we don't have a good time frame at all for how long it's been. They said a few months at one point near the end. Okay. Which... It's still fast, but, like, it's better... I thought it was, like, a few, like a week or so. There's some fun filmmaking moments. There's a really cool dolly zoom push-in near mm-hmm. the end. Like, that's cool. Um, I the think... acting's a little subpar overall, I think. Yeah, like, um, I'll, I'll give the actors that play the aliens characters credit, because, like, they're doing exactly what they should be. But, like, the humans... Eh, it felt off on and off of being good and being not... The girl who plays Ariel, the alien girl, she was in a bunch of other movies, actually. She like, a couple of Letterboxd and stuff. Like, like, D-com, she's done a lot. like, DCOMs or just movies? Just movies. But also, Megan was in uh, The 13th Year. Was she the girlfriend? I don't know. But she was in 13th Year, and she was in Surf's Up. Interesting. Right? Uh, she was Sam. Yeah, she was the girlfriend in 13th Year. <laughs> funny. That's funny. We've watched that one for the same podcast. Indeed. There's a weird reference. Okay, this movie's a lot of weird stuff, for sure, because it's in the title. But they reference Goodwill Hunting in this movie, 
which is a great movie. It's my favorite movie of all time. But why is this reference in here for children? What was the now, was it a specific line he referenced? No, they said the movie Good Will Hunting. Ah. They said uh, Ariel was doing amazing math skills because she's an alien super smart. Um, and it, one of the students said to Megan, she's like a real Good Will Hunting in here. I'm like, what? Well, first off, kid, you have not seen an R-rated movie. You're like, what, 10? I don't know. That's weird, right? And then also, you wouldn't get that. that who's the reference for? The kids watching this movie won't get it either. I think it was more thrown in just for like the adults that would inevitably be watching it with their kids. I watched this movie with my dad today. <laughs> <laughs> he sat down with me and watched it. Most of it, at least. He missed the bubble uh, first scene of their planet. So when he came in right after that point, things were a little confusing at first. <laughs> but other than that, it's fine. The, the diary trope back and forth worked to me because they kept flipping back and forth and doing the little showing both their point of views. That worked. Yeah, I, that was a narrative element that often with these kinds of films isn't done that much. It's usually very much one-sided, so I like seeing both their perspectives on it. I want to be able to write in the air like, like the aliens do. That's cool. And it, did it get absorbed into some device or did I just completely... Yeah, okay. that's like their transmitter. Okay, okay. There's a great guy in this named Cutter. His name is actually Cutter, not Carter, not Cotter. His name is C U T T E R. Uh, he is so stupid, and I love him. He's he, the only good person in this movie. He is the culmination of every cool guy character from an early 2000s movie, all wrapped into one neat little package. Like, he's so dumb, but I love him for his dumbness. We first get introduced to him as in a dream sequence of, of Megan, because she has a crush on him. And it's fantastic. And later on in the movie, we hear that he is the most extreme guy she uh, Megan knows. I, and I, he has frosted tips, bleached hair. I took down, this is what she said. This is how we're introduced to him. He's totally rad. He's skating down the whole mountain. Cut to him falling down said mountain. Well, he mostly fell down. <laughs> I was just like, that's, that's great. I love that. There are great visual gags in this. My favorite one is still the Yukon thing. Oh, yeah. Because the aliens, like in the Santa Claus, they're from Canada. <laughs> That's their excuse. What do the Canadians think of just like being like the location, All the media. stuff like this? <laughs> All American media is saying people who are different are from Canada. No idea. It keeps happening. It's a weird trope, and Disney's done it numerous times. They've done it so many times. But so they're in, they were from Canada. They said Yukon, and then every time it comes up, so people say no one lives in Yukon. And then we see a cut to a a snowy mountainside Yukon. Over here, ow! Wolves crying. Population says, low. Population low. And then later on, we see it again. It says population low still. <laughs> I'm like, that's great. Like there are some genuinely like clever jokes and gags in this. Um, yeah, I love that Trevor, little kid who's seven years old, by the way, and they bully the seven year old kid so much. <laughs> and he's so sweet, but this little seven year old kid. Picks up the fact they're both aliens right away because he says because he hears the name Cosmo Cola like he's an alien, and he never drops it. He never so, drops it. And then at the end, like when, when it's when he finds out, he's just like, "Oh, cool." What I think is really funny is that by the end of the movie, the mom never finds out. That's so true. She gets married. Everyone else knows besides the mom who's marrying an alien. So, someone's got to tell her. I'm shocked that when there's a scene in this movie where our girl, our girl Megan, 
the the bully, <laughs> the main girl. Uh, she's at a dinner party thing, trying to ruin, break up these these two whip here. She's trying to break up her mom and the stepdad to be, uh, the alien, and she finds out that the girl Ariel is a bubble alien. She figures out, like, oh my god, you are an alien. Not only do they not come clean that moment, and they gaslight her to say that's not possible, and they put her in therapy. <laughs> they put, it cuts to her in therapy. <laughs> and they, the therapist is like, this is not an abnormal reaction. You're going through a lot of change right now. And from they the, never address that. I mean, from from the parents' perspective... Doing that is not exactly a drastic thing. No, but from the actual aliens, at that point, treat her with some respect and tell her what's going on. Like, you're in the cat's out of the bag. You saw what happened. Look, you either come clean or you kill her. It's one of the two options. Let's go with murder. That sounds fun. <laughs> For all intents and purposes, this is also not um, a confession of murder. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. Uh, I'm going to give this one a nay, but not because I think it's actually bad. Just because I think it's not really worth our time or for your kids' time. There's better, there's better DCOMs to watch. There there are definitely better DCOMs to watch. It has some okay ideas, like the plot you've seen done before. If you want to shut your kids up, this could do it. But I think that there, <laughs> there are better DCOMs that can be used for that purpose. So I'm going to give this a nay. We should make our scale of yays and nays. And I think this is... It's a... High up, nay. Like it's not. It's it's fine. There, there but, are there have been worse ones that we've seen. It yeah, and it's, it easily could be a yay if I wanted it to be. But our our system is arbitrary, so I don't care. I'm giving it a nay. Exactly. Uh, also, there's a fun psychic woman in this who's not a psychic. She's obviously a, a phony, and it's fantastic. Um, and I think she's hilarious. I wish they kept her frozen at the end of the movie. So Josh, that's our decom discussion. Next time, what are we watching? I don't know. It's called Ready to Run. Ooh, it's another horse movie. The next movie after that one is called Quints. Quints? Q-U-I-N-T-S. Well, there you go, guys. Watch those next two movies. Uh, maybe we'll start doing this like four in a month at one podcast, Josh. What is it? When the hell is a Quint? No, don't look it up. Let's figure it out when we watch it. Oh. Go on blind. Okay. What? Nothing. You didn't go on blind? Well, Lame. I don't know how exactly it's going to go down, but I get the title now, at least. I'm more excited to, like, when we get to, like, the era of, like, when we actually, like, started watching a lot of these. Like, from, like, High School Musical onward, just to see those and see how well they hold up. To our news section! News. But not nudes section. We're not that kind of people. We are tasteful. We're not that kind of podcast. Our, our nudes will be tasteful <laughs> and covered. <laughs> Not loot on the internet for all you to see. No shaming that, but that's not our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> what would that podcast even be like? Just talking about it? <laughs> uh, you know, you've heard of audio-only podcasts, or you've heard of video-only podcasts. <laughs> you have to guess what we're saying. <laughs> yeah. Put on Spotify, hit play, and it's just pictures. <laughs> oh, okay, so we're recording this now. On the 30th, the last day of November of the... Ever. Ever. Last November ever. Crazy. Uh, and within five days of Kevin Conroy passing away, another childhood legend of Jason David Frank passed away. Um, he committed suicide at the age of 49 years old. And I, that was, that broke me that morning when I, when I saw it. Cause I was 
because Kevin Conroy, we had just recorded the, the day before about him. Mm-hmm. And this happened within five days of Kevin's passing. Um, and I know Josh is a, is a notorious Power Rangers hater. But uh, I watched Power Rangers for about a decade or more. I watched so many iterations. I loved Jason David Frank. I loved his movie. Uh, I loved his shows. I loved, and he really was a hero to so many, so many people. So that's tragic. Indeed. Josh, you're a hater. Look, I'm aware I'm a hater. That doesn't mean that I don't think this is sad. This is not sad. What am I saying? It's sad. What? It is sad. What are you saying? I'm clarifying. It's sad. <laughs> I'm picturing you just like stopping saying it's sad. It's sad. <laughs> oh, it's just that's truly tragic. Um, I know he meant so much to so many different people. He was a red ranger, a white ranger, a green ranger, a black ranger. He was a ranger. On to other sad news, Josh. Oh, goody. Not as sad, but still sad. Uh, Chris Hemsworth will be taking a break from acting after learning that he has a genetic predisposition to Alzheimer's disease, um, and his genetic makeup includes two copies of the gene APOE4, which studies have linked to an increased risk of Alzheimer's disease. So he is 85 to 100% more likely to get Alzheimer's than a regular per- than any, the average person in his lifetime. And so he's taking a break to spend time with his family and get as many memories as he can. Which, this fucking sucks. Yeah. I would say don't tell me this. Like, yeah. I would not want to, I would never want to know that. Um, and I hate that the, one of the top, the top re- like reply, the tweet under this tweet about this says, so he's not coming back for secret wars. Oh my God. Not this the is thing not to be focusing Marvel. on, dude. And there are more comments saying recast Thor and stuff. I'm like, just let a man be a human being. A Marvel fans can be really insensitive. Oh yes. Uh, she Hulk proved that. Um this was this is tragic and that if he does Thor five, he wants to be a very much um a very different tone shift for his own sanity's sake. If he does it again, a bit of a change of pace. And I understand that. I, I um, think that he'll do it one last time, whether that be before Seeker Wars, if he's in that, or whether it be afterwards, and it'll be kind of a big swan song, and that the tone will end up being different, whether Taika's involved or not. I think it, for that it would probably be um, an Odin-like role for Thor. I could see that. A, a matured Thor. Um, the all, Thor Allfather would be good. Mm-hmm. But this isn't about that. This is about a man who found out something very potentially tragic. But also, it's not a guarantee. He might never get Alzheimer's. Um and that'd be fantastic as well. And I hope that's the case for him. Mm-hmm. On to different news, because there's never a good segue from sad stuff. So what happens, Josh, when you finish saving the world? What happens? You take a nap. You wear, you wear a beanie and a hoodie and put up a, a little uh, recording sign on your room? What happens? I'm guessing that's what happens, and you go live stream, right? With your mom ignoring you? I, I guess you go from saving the world a few times with uh, some kids in the 80s then to saving the world with some Ghostbusters and now just chilling. And what is he doing when he's chilling? You got When you finish saving the world, you got to um, have long hair and live stream. Live stream, talk to girls, Julianne Moore's your mom. It's Jesse, Eisen- up- Jesse Eisenberg is directing you. It's weird. Live out politics? <laughs> uh, so it was a, it, this is a trailer for the movie When You Finish Saving the World, if you did not pick up on what we were talking about. Um, it's an A24 film starring Julianne Moore, Finn Wolfhard, directed by Jesse Eisenberg, 
It releases January 20th. It played at Sundance. People really liked it. I The trailer looks great to me. I, it looks like a very fun um, kind of quirky comedy. It looks like a mix of Proximity Wallflower and Edge of 17. I like that. So, yeah. cool. I, uh, I think this is Eisenberg's first movie as director, so I'm very curious to see what it'll be like. It does remind me slightly a bit of me in high school with the idea of me constantly live streaming and recording. And I had a brother and it's like, go away, I'm recording. And I wouldn't have like, a little recording uh, studio or a sign. Mm-hmm. It'd be great. But now I'm recording in the same place, but on a podcast with you. <laughs> this was a good trailer, though. Yes. I think it showed totally a lot of sides to this movie. And I'm excited to see where it goes. And I'm overall excited to see Finn Wolfhard be more musical in something because he also has a band. Mm-hmm. And is a musician in general. So seeing him bring that into a character is really cool. Yes. Yay. Indeed. Now we're on to something weird, Josh. Ooh, the weirdness. Because I have a... Remember how I did about two weeks ago roundups with you? Like categories of things? We have an Indiana Jones roundup. Numerous Indiana Jones things. I have one, two, three, four, five sources for Indiana Jones news this week. Good lord. Weird, right? Uh, first things first, we got Empire Magazine, which is often releasing pic- uh, pictures of films and TV show stuff. They released a cover of Epic 2020. They released a cover with Epic 2023 preview. You Empire. Good? You good? No. So we got to see Indiana Jones look all gruff and sad in a shadow. <laughs> it's true, right? That's what the cover is like. Yeah, you're not wrong. Uh, and then we saw another cover, an, an alternative illustrated cover, where he's in New York City looking at the, the big city, seeing the Empire State Building in front of him, and it looks really cool. So we get to see Indiana Jones in New York this time. We we knew it beforehand, but now it's confirmed more imagery. He's in 1960s era in New York City in Indiana Jones 5. And once again, cool. he is fighting the Nazis. How about Nazi aliens? I say let's not bring the aliens back into the mix after the last <laughs> time they tried that. But he can punch Nazis and aliens. Oh, uh, you see, now you got now you got me there. We also got to look at Mads Mikkelsen, who looks like a Nazi. He looks like... He, um, he looks like the same character in, in Raiders Lost Ark. I saw someone say he better not be like his son. I'm like, they're not going to do that. And I'm like, hold on, let's think of that. We have Indiana Jones, either goddaughter or granddaughter now. We, also, we already had Mutt. <laughs> we have numerous legacy characters, Josh, in this franchise. There's also the young Indiana Jones cartoon, so... We don't talk about that. TV show? Other than Mads Mikkelsen looks cool, I guess. He looks like a cool villain. He yeah. always looks like a cool villain. He's always cool. I'm fine with him being in anything. Yay? Yes. We also got four Indiana Jones set images we saw. I sent this to you in the chat on Twitter. And we see uh, Harrison Ford running by cars. This man looks like he's about to poop. He looks very grumpy. <laughs> And he is running so fast. I and you said he's in his eighties now. I'm so worried for his health. <laughs> yeah, but that's our Thunderbolt Ross, Josh. I can't wait to see him in the mocap suit. It's gonna be great. See our Red Hulk. We also got a picture of him on a bridge, um, un- over some water, some like river, in a cave, with his goddaughter, granddaughter, person. Cool. Then we got to see her again, holding some kind of device, and we got a picture of a man on a motorcycle. I don't have context for these, but yay! I'm excited for this. 
Me too. I think the but overall that first image of watching him do his own actions what was interesting to me. Seeing him actually running and doing stuff. Yeah, I'm so. curious how much like fighting and stuff like he's gonna be doing in this. Harrison Ford is just a grumpy old man and he should not be forced to act anymore. But I know he loves his character so much. And he hates Han Solo. They're the same character, just different fonts. What <laughs> I don't that's, how can that you love always one? Be, that will always be my favorite thing is how much he hates Han Solo. The only difference is that uh, Indiana Jones is re- less relevant to the plot than Han Solo is. Because <laughs> Indiana, Indiana, Indiana Jones movies... <laughs> Indiana Jones just shows up and he's just like, what's happening? <laughs> In all the Indiana Jones movies, if you remove him, all the events still happen. <laughs> or sometimes a better outcome would happen. <laughs> anyway, we have more Indiana Jones news. Ready for it? Of course. We got... Uh, Indiana Jones 5 used new VFX technology to de-age Harrison Ford back 40 years to the original Indiana Jones, like, Raiders of the Lost Ark era Harrison Ford. Uh, uh, it's apparently only for, like, a scene or two, though. I, I and, know, but I want this de-aging crap to stop. Harrison Ford said, it's a little spooky being de-aged nearly 40 years to the VFX. He said, this is the first time I've seen it where I believe it. I don't think I, I, I don't think I even want to know how it works, but it works. It doesn't make me want to be young, though. <laughs> so, okay. It's, Yay or nay on this news, Josh? I, I'm giving it a nay because I hate de-aging at this point. Like, just cast someone younger for the love of God. It will make your films better. And because, again, Irishman, like, good movie. But, man, sometimes that de-aging can be distracting because it's just not great. I guess it depends on the age of the original actor, though, for sure. Like... Uh, when they did Tony Stark in Civil War, that worked great to me. Yeah. Because he can move the exact same, pretty much. But if he's not being that active in this, if it's just a quick little close-up moment of him maybe grabbing something or doing something quickly conversationally, it's probably not going to be a huge deal. But I'm impressed that apparently he says he believes it because he's an old, bitter man. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll see how good it actually is. Uh, yay, why not? Just to piss off Josh. How dare you. That's the end of our Indiana Jones roundup. We got a Disney roundup of three things. Starting with Bob Iger, back as Disney CEO for two years, pushing out Bob Shabek. The Bobs have switched. The Bobs have switched once again. (laughs) It's the annual Bob switching. Oh, God. Thank Um, thank God. (laughs) I know a lot of people... Go on. I was just... Shabek has just been making terrible decisions for quite a while and of course like you know COVID didn't make things easier and he had to make some calls and like I can understand that but like there's been a lot of I'm just like what are you doing man this is just dumb yeah I mean Bob Iger returning it's good overall I guess but it's for two years while he finds his successor like a better successor than Shapek which is very funny the board ousted Shapek and said bring back Iger take your time find someone better I love that idea. It's just, it's so petty. Fix what he did and then find someone better. <laughs> I mean, he's not going to do a bunch of change. It's not like going to change a lot for Disney. Let's be real. It's, like, it's not, not going really. to, but I think that like, it'll, I think it's probably to restructure like how Disney plus works, how they do Fox stuff. Cause like you look at like the release of like Fox stuff, they've put out very, very few films in theaters and put most of them on streaming. And then Disney plus is just, it's an overload of stuff on there. Like, too and, much stuff. And now uh, Disney Plus might combine with Apple TV soon, which is also weird. 
that's a very strange thought. <laughs> yeah, Apple is looking to buy Disney as a company. I'm like, that's wait, a Apple is going to buy Disney? As it looks like. I c- that's not vertical integration, but it's also not. That's a weird one. Um, would you be mad at that? I don't. I would be mad at that. It's a monopoly. I don't want that to happen. It's a monopoly, but I don't. Hmm. It's not Josh. like it's not like Disney buying Fox, where that very clearly um, is not was not made with good intentions. This, I guess, just for Apple to have more stuff on Apple TV. I guess so. Bob Iger overall, coming back for two years, Josh, yay or nay? I give a yay. Two more Disney things. We got the Elemental trailer and Strange World news. But Elemental first. Uh, fine. It looks bad to me. It's a teaser. It looks... It looks hold on. I have... The, the world itself looks pretty, but I don't understand the rules of the world based well, on the logic of how things go and the physics of things. Well, that's for us to find out when the movie comes out. But Josh, I need all the answers right now. That's not quite how it works. Okay, so I should keep waiting? Uh, Yes. Uh, Yay and the elemental teaser. I give it a yay. It looks looks pretty. It's a neat world. I'm very curious to see what it'll be like. There's Wade and there's Ember. Because Wade like water and Ember like fire. (laughs) Wild. Uh, and they have a spark. It's Sharkboy and Lava Girl. What have they been in? Oh, okay. I've seen them both and stuff. You mean the animated characters? They've been in only this, Josh. What do you mean? It's, Come on. It's fine. They're, they're not actors. They're It's CGI. Have you it's ever amazing. looked into water, sir? And you, you're telling me you've never looked into water and have seen Wade? Or looked into fire and seen Ember? How dare you? Have you ever seen Wade in the water? Wait, wading in the water. That's I'm dumb. Okay, that's clever. Okay, Josh, we have strange world news, strange which is first off world. the fact that Disney released a uh, very creative, otherworldly movie under Disney stu- uh, Animation Studios umbrella, um, where is a weird, gooey sidekick in the same week of Thanksgiving. Twice now it's failing, and they didn't market for with Treasure Planet and this. It's pretty upsetting because it's probably this could do amazing. Though. It should have done amazing because it's a Disney movie in theaters right now over a holiday. Like it should do well, but they didn't market it at all. This is this is what I'm talking about. With I'm happy Chapek is out because you, they he's just bad at marketing and this stuff, and like they just didn't market this. Like I saw someone on Twitter be like, I didn't know Jake Gyllenhaal was in, in this until like the last yesterday. To the last yesterday. Yes. That's crazy. There's only one more yesterday. That's wild. Uh, I, the news about this is we have a new first Disney openly gay character. <laughs> uh, this is Disney's first openly gay teenager on screen, which that is a new thing. Technically speaking, but stop and- saying first gay character, Disney. I, I will give it this. They don't, like, you know, tip their toes around it. Like, it's very clear. Like, they make it clear that, like, yes, he is. Yes, he likes this So you've guy. seen it? I've seen it, yes. Is it good? Yes. Cool. I want to see it. Uh, I'm upset. They, did, they didn't learn a lesson from Treasure Planet. That's what, that's what I'm saying to me. And they're going to blame the loss on the queerness. I know that. That's what they always do. So that's upsetting. 
I think they were hoping for another Encanto situation because that one also didn't have very good marketing. But then word of mouth got around around it and people, you know, went and saw it in droves. But this, like, there's no music for people to be like, oh, this is such a good song. I should go see the movie. It's a standard film. There's no TikTok audios they can use right now. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yay on the first openly gay teenage character <laughs> for Disney. That's the news piece. Um, cool. <laughs> I'll watch it. I'll watch it next week, probably. I I say to anyone that's that likes sci-fi, go see it. The world is incredibly creative. It's beautiful. Is it strange. It is indeed strange. Is it new? Uh, the idea behind it, which I won't spoil, I thought was very creative. I don't know if it's been is done it, before. Is it a world? I'm not saying. Is it a world? <laughs> You'll find out. <laughs> it's called Strange New World. They had to have all three things. <laughs> Marvel stuff. They got the Spider-Man. Speaking of Spider-Man, actually, that's what I'm going off of here. Crazy! Uh, a Silk series will be titled Silk Spider Society and will release on MGM Plus and Amazon Prime Video. Angela King will serve as showrunner. Phil Lord and Chris Miller will be executive producers um, and have more Spider-Man TV spinoffs. What is Sony doing? This is just confusing because I thought they made a deal with Netflix to like put their stuff on there. Whatever, I don't care. Silk is cool. What do you know about Silk, Josh? I know that she and Spider-Man are connected by the same Spider-Bite, and if they're together too long, they get real horny. That's one way to put it. I, I'm uh, not wrong. So Silk, yes, was also in the same field trip as Peter Parker and was bitten. She's the same age as Peter Parker, but she was in a lab. When she was bitten, she was locked away in like a dungeon, like a cellar for a long time. Um, and then she got out and had to relearn how the world is now because it's been like, what, 10, 15, 20 years, but really only like five years because they, like, they don't like Peter Parker age at all in comic books. Um, but he, she was locked away for a while and the world has changed around her and now she's out and about as Silk, which is a cool premise for a character. Indeed. And Spider Society is also pretty cool. But I also hate that MGM Plus will even exist. We've been over that before. Um, and... Thank God it's at least going to Amazon, a streaming service that will that people will be able to watch on, because no one's going to get MGM Plus. Why? What is Sony doing, though, Josh? I don't understand. I've stopped trying to make sense of what they do with the Spider-Man stuff and just see what happens. I'm giving it a yay, though. Oddly enough, I'm giving some spum canoes in that a yay. I give it a yay. I think it will be interesting to focus on this character, and I'm very curious to see who they will cast. So we have Blade news. That's positive news for the first time in a while, Josh. Blade. We have a director for the movie Blade starring um, Mahershala Ali as Blade. And the director's name... He directed some... Uh, the director directed one episode of Lovecraft Country. Um, he directed some of Dead Set, some Criminal Justice, a lot of TV stuff, which is great. I love the idea of bringing directors from like TV, shorts, commercials, and giving them an actual feature film project. That gives us hope, Josh. Yes. The actor's name is Jan Demange. Demange? I don't know how to pronounce his name, but um, so I'm sorry if I'm butchering it, but I'm really, really excited to see what he does with the character. I so, am excited. And you I... like Lovecraft Country. Lovecraft Country is a very good show. I'm, I'm still pissed that it got canceled after one season. Isn't Jonathan Majors like one of the leads in it? He is the lead. That was the, that was the show that shot him into uh, superstardom. He had uh, big roles before that, but that was definitely what took his career off. So this guy direct the 
Jan directed the first episode, Sundown. Ooh, that's a great episode. So that's cool. I know that. I've watched half of that episode with you in the room. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that was cool. Um, I think it'll be cool. I'm excited for it. I'm I'm very happy that Marvel is taking the time to be like, okay, we're going to hit pause on this, we're going to restructure this because this isn't working, and we're going to fix it. And the DC's just like, oh, we shipped that film out yesterday. Give DC more credit currently. They're doing okay. different things, Josh. That, this is true. DC, that, D, I'm not like the internet. DC has done a lot of good stuff. But when they do bad stuff, it just makes me wonder, okay, why was this one good? Bat why was girl. this one not? Th- that's a very different scenario. Oh, God. So we have news about Percy Jackson, Josh, with two casting announcements. One I love, the other one I'm confused by. Um, I'm curious which one it is. You know which one. I love Timothy Munson in anything. That is true. Timothy Munson had it was in Galavant. Um, he was in Psych as Lassie, Lassiter. And he's hilarious and incredible and a great actor. Um, and he's playing Hephaestus, who was traditionally not super attractive people are saying he's too hot to play him like first off what a compliment to the man (laughs) (laughs) what a a great compliment you give this man imagine being told you're too hot to play a role that's a great compliment to get like oh thank you but watch me act um and he'll probably have also prosthetics they're playing characters it's not like whatever and if they don't who cares it's acting it's different different interpretation um, and Jay Duplis is Duplis is playing Hades, who looks pretty normal. My biggest problem with that casting is that he's described as albino in the books, and this is not an albino man. Uh, let me I think you. I can send you a link right now if you want. I'm looking picture. it up already. I already had the notes up. It's too late. <laughs> okay. Saying <laughs> anyway. There you go. That's the picture I had. What have I seen him in? He's not albino, and that's the biggest issue to that. For me, for me, um, but apparently uh, Rick Riordan said he thought he'd be great. He'd be great to play Nico's dad. I'm like, you didn't cast him as Hades, and you cast him as Nico's dad. Like, I know what you're doing there. This is so, the first thing that he or no, I'm wrong. I'm looking at the wrong thing. Uh, IMDb was weird. Okay, never mind. Uh, Industry, Togetherness, The Chair, Cyrus. He's Jeff, done. Who is at home. He's done a lot of comedic stuff before, so this should be interesting. Yeah, supposedly he has a very soft side. He can play the a, a father who is a god, you know, the godparent kind of thing, and that's what it, he was looking for. He wasn't looking for the cruel part of Hades; he was looking for the tenderness, which mm-hmm. is interesting. Did we talk about uh, Lin Manuel Miranda's casting? Last episode, yes. Okay. But yeah, Timothy Munson, watch Psych. Josh, go watch Psych. I there's so many shows. I did see him. At, there was a musical show on NBC that came out a couple of years ago, and he was in that. I f- thought he was very funny in that. I mentioned that earlier. That's crazy. He's all he's in Woody Woodpecker from 2017. That's oh, hilarious. Oh lord. Other random stuff we had to talk about, Josh. Greta Gerwig says the public is not even close to seeing all of Ryan Gosling's Ken costumes in Barbie. It's one of many extraordinary looks. So that's the whole news piece that we're getting so many Ken and Barbie outfits. Good. I would expect nothing less. I'm happy with that. Yay. Yay. Avatar 2 News, your favorite franchise of all time that has one movie so far. Oh, Lord. Um, it's, it's, it's so expensive, it must become the fourth or fifth highest grossing film in history with over $2 billion just to break even. For those that don't know, that just means making their money back. 
They will not make a dime yet until past over $2 billion of revenue. I want it to fail now even more. I, it's, it's been and almost 15 years since the last one. Are there fans of the movies? Yes. Will they go see it? Yes. But is it going to be this giant monumental thing? I don't think it is. Because it's also, with trailers in most theaters, it's about three and a half hours long. And Cameron was talking in an interview today about how he might want to do uh, six, seven, eight, nine. Like keep doing more. I'm like, why? <laughs> what? Stop. I, it's. I just don't. Th- I, the world is too similar to our own. There's very few differences to it aside from like dragons you can fly, fly, and floating mountains. Other than that, everything is a very close version of something else. Like the whales in the posters of the new one, they just look like our whales with some more fins. Like it's not that imaginative, and I'm tired of people acting like it is. <laughs> Flash movie got a new logo. That's a that's a thing. Yeah, I don't really that care. Mo- that movie's still happening. <laughs> Does that mean there's Ezra news this week? No. Dang it. Uh, nay on the Avatar news. Yeah. Actually, yay! It's hilarious. Never mind. I want it to be because it need that much money to break even. It probably won't. To, that's funny. To be fair, though, it is the first movie released by Disney to be released in China since 2019, and it was huge over there. So I could definitely see making a lot of money over there. DreamWorks got a new logo. Oh, yeah. New, new, people, new intro. People were unrealistically mad about a child's movie animated logo. Uh, intro, right? Yeah, it's, it's a new intro that they're doing. It's no longer some man fishing. Now it's got people keep calling these cameos. People keep, don't know what a cameo means. No. Uh, that's not what these are, but that's fine. And I get the idea of wanting your, like, film industry like studio logos or intros to be matching the aesthetic of the film you're watching, but it rarely happens. It it does not happen super often for DreamWorks stuff. When it does, it's cool, but, like, a lot of times it's a standard thing. And also, like, why are you getting so mad at this, people? It's an AMA logo for children's movies. Like, And they could still do that. They could still change it. They have the other logo. The other intro is still there they could use. Like, people, like, stop saying that this is the symbol of the death of cinema. Like, calm down. We got a Mario movie poster, first off, with it's basically just an empty throne room with peach stained glass window. It looks cool, right? Yes. Then we got an incredible trailer. I unironically love this Mario trailer. I th- I was very much surprised by it, and... There, there have been some other like spots and trailers that have released since then where you can hear more of him talking. It's pretty much just Chris Pratt's normal voice, and honestly, I'm fine with care. that. I don't care. Like, I would I have imagined a bit more effort. Sure. Would I have wanted to get Joe Pesci instead? Absolutely. But no, 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 no. I Jared Leto from House of Gucci. I'm Paolo. I am Paolo. <laughs> oh no! Woe is me. Jared Leto will actually come up soon in our Glass Onion discussion. Oh, oh. <laughs> um, but Mario, the movie trailer looks fantastic. I love that Luigi is a damsel in distress and Peach is a warrior in this. That's so much fun. That's, it's such a genius choice to make Luigi the, the damsel in distress. Like, how has that not been done sooner in a Mario game? I love, love, love. We got Rainbow Road and Mario Kart, but not in a recreational way of like we are going to to do business. We're going to fight doing on go karts. That's so much fun. 
And Peach, um, Peach also references something about galaxies. Does that mean we'll see Super Mario Galaxy in this? And, like, we already know Luigi runs into some kind of mansion, so it looks like we'll get some nod to Luigi's mansion. Like, how many Mario games are they going to be talking about in this? A bunch. I have, we have Cheap Cheap, some Cheap Cheap Beach. I love that. We get Mario hitting the face, hitting the face with a Cheap Cheap. Um, there's so much fun stuff in this. So much. Uh, people have already started shipping Bowser and Luigi now from their <laughs> weird interaction. Uh, it's a time. This looks really fun. Like, it, I'll be- this is the first time that I've seen, like, Illumination put in effort into their, um, movies. And I'm not saying that they haven't before, but it's clear that they kind of know that if they fumbled this, this would be bad on them. Just for reference, this is the first time Illumination has not used mains in their logo in a long time. They're being serious here. <laughs> so, that's cool. I am excited for this. I'm very excited for this. Uh, the entire cast seems great. Anya Taylor-Joy sounds great. We get to see DK, Donkey Kong, thwapping Mario around. I um, I really hope that he doesn't have any actual lines. He just does monkey noises as Seth Rogen. <laughs> That's all um, I want. Also, I don't think you noticed this, but when they walked on, the thing they're standing on is actually the Jumpman like, setup. It's a Jumpman level. Oh, <laughs> DK and Jumpman. Um, they are also he's going through training, but is it through Mario levels kind of stuff? That's that, uh, the obstacle courses. Mm-hmm. It's clever. I like it when video game movies find clever ways to implement like what the games were about, whether it be like the gameplay or the level designs or something. I when they put in that kind of effort, that has me excited. But how funny was it? Would this have been in live action, Josh? It would have been amazing watching all this. Keep the, the exact same cast. Yes, change no one. I would pay uh, money to see Charlie Day dr- dress as Luigi for an entire movie. And be Chris Pratt's brother. Exactly. Uh, Heavy yay. Indeed. And then the last news piece to talk about, which is going to make Josh mad. It's about Glass Onion, but not spoiler. It's about, in general, the movie. Um, cinema owners pleaded with Netflix to let them show Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery, in more theaters and for a longer period of time. But Netflix declined their offer. Netflix, you are a bunch of morons. Like, to put this into perspective, throughout the whole Thanksgiving weekend of when the movie was out, it was the third highest grossing movie that entire weekend, and it only played in 600 theaters. Every and- theater I saw was packed. I couldn't get seats to the first one I was trying to go to. I had to go to the latest one possible because it was emptier, and still got packed by the time I was there. Yeah, and, like, for perspective, Black Panther is, like, in 4,000 theaters, and for for Glass Onion to be in a fraction of that is insane, and to be number three at the box office. Like That's tragic. Netflix, you keep sitting on these gold mines of movies. It doesn't matter their quality. People will go out and pay money to see them, and you're so stubborn about not putting them in theaters, it's going to be the death of you. Like, even Red Notice could have made money in theaters. Red Notice could have made money. The Gray Man could have made money. The Adam Project could have made money. Like, all these movies with these big names, despite their levels of quality, would have made tons of money. But no, theaters are bad, and we need and streaming is the future. Like, you're idiots. And that's not dra- Josh just trashing all these movies. He's saying they have varying levels of quality. <laughs> yes, I uh, think the Adam Project is really good. Red Notice and Gray Man are... Uh... That's fine. <laughs> but this is tragic. This has gone in theaters for longer. They are apparently debating on doing a re-release, though, after it's on Netflix for a bit. And I might go see it again in theaters. That's really fun. Oh, I will happily go see this in theaters again. This was It was a delight. Um, speaking on that, moving into our main topic now, it is now time to discuss 
the glass onion. Josh, first off, if you are have not seen the movie yet, this is a no spoiler section. First, do not worry. And then we have, of course, timestamps down below where you can jump around. But be mindful, there are ads in the episodes of podcasts usually, so the times might be a little bit off, but take that into account. So, Glass Onion, non-spoiler talk first. The cast. Oh, oh my god. Loved it. I, I have a few things on here I want to talk about specifically, but I, I, everyone was great. Edward Norton was hilarious. Oh, he's so great. Dave Bautista, uh, amazing. Like, Catherine Hahn, um, Cra- Daniel Craig, everyone uh, Kate is Hudson. Used, everyone is used to their strengths here. It's Kate Hudson, every every line she spoke um, was a scene stealer. Janelle Monet, which we'll get to even more in spoiler talk of why she is so good in this. Uh, she's great. Because she ate. It was amazing. Um, also, tragic, we see a few cameos in here. We see Yo-Yo Ma, we see other people, but we also see Stephen Sondheim and Angela Lansbury in a Zoom call, and it's so sad because they're both dead now. Was it Natasha Leone on the call with them? Uh-huh. Yeah. This is a really fun movie, and it is funnier out loud laughing the first one, but I think the first one still has better satirical comedy overall. Um, both this this movie is set in 2020. It's not really a spoiler. It's very heavily set in 2020, and it is sat- satirical about 2020, the year, and things going on. Just like the first one, and Knives Out was satirical about 2016 as a year. And oh boy, does Ryan Johnson hate the rich people. He, I love seeing this man write um, for for the rich because he just despises them. And again, like I'm not gonna spoil it, but the end reveal of just like when Bedwa's doing his whole thing and that whole thing. <laughs> I was fantastic. It was great. Same with, like, even in Last Jedi. He put his rich hating and, and money hating in that movie, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that man stays humble, it seems, and I love that. Uh, it's it's fun. It's a fun romp, even if you don't... Don't expect to be, you have your mind completely blown, but it's very, very fun, and you should get that. It's a fun time. Like the first one, this does things differently than you would expect a murder mystery to do. Not the same way that the first one does, though. Um, no. This follows a more standard path of a murder mystery in terms of the way the plot is, but there is a point where things do change and it does something different. It plays with timelines and flashbacks in fun ways because it's their perspective on what happens. Similarly to the first one, how we see everyone's different point of view, but this does it in a very... It ups the ante of it, and it's very good that way. Um, and I think my friend said it. I'll talk a bit more in spoilers about some of the specifics of the structure of the film, of why I like what they did versus the other one. Not in a better or worse, just in a different way. Um, the plot overall, we can say a little tiny bit without gaining spoilers here. Benoit Blanc, the same detective from the last film, is known as an incredible detective now, and he has been ta- he solves a puzzle box. And he, as everyone has these puzzle boxes, and they're invited to an island to solve a play in a murder mystery game. And of course, something goes awry. Someone maybe does die, maybe doesn't, who knows? But something goes wrong, and they have to solve the mystery, like Scooby Doo Fun Time style. And I can't say much more about plot, plot wise, without spoiling things, right, Josh? Indeed. We can say the group and their archetypes, though. We have Kate Hudson playing a model, or a former model. Uh, Elon Musk, nope. Um, Edward Norton's playing Elon Musk. Yes. Um, that's, that's what he's playing. There's, there's no telling around. That's who he is. He's playing Elon Musk. He's playing Trump. He's playing I, people we can get more into in spoiler talk of who he's satirizing in, in specific ways. Um, and we have 
Leslie Odom Jr., who's playing a tech guy, um, very Professor Plum-esque, but more suave. Yes. Um, we have Catherine Hahn as a congresswoman. And is that it? I'm thinking, oh, uh, we have Duke, who's the, uh, Dave, but he's the place of character named Duke, who is a men's rights activist, a mennonist. He's, he's basically kind of the Joe Rogan of this movie. Yeah, Joe Rogan, Andrew Tate, that kind of thing, getting his Twitch followers up while playing games and then starts getting in down the alt-right pipeline. Similarly, it's a Nazi child masturbating in the bathroom in the first film. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a good line in the first film. God, this is a fun time, and we have Ben Blanc back. And we also have Janelle Monet playing an ex-partner of Elon Musk, of Edward Norton. Yeah, I, that's what I can say about the cast, right? Yeah. And they all do a phenomenal job. It, Everyone's great. It's so... I love it when you can tell, like, a whole cast and crew is just having fun uh, making a movie, and everyone working on this was having the time of their lives, you can tell. Also, Madeline Klein plays someone named Whiskey, who is dating um, Duke, uh, David Hees' character, and Jessica Henwick plays a woman named Peg, who is the assistant to Kate Hudson's model character. Also, who I don't want to leave them out. They're both great. Uh, yes, I am. I I love this movie. I love Ryan Johnson. I will be watching Looper this week, Josh, because since you gave it to me, yay! It, it's I love Ryan Johnson. I think I have absolutely adored every film. I think I think I'm going to love Looper. You're you're gonna love Looper. I love Ryan Johnson's last. Last year is my, is my favorite Star Wars film. I love Knives Out. I love this. This is great. Pro, is there anything production wise you want to talk about, like about the actual aesthetics or about costumes? Like I know a lot of people last time focused on the sweaters. Was there anything <laughs> in this film that really stuck out to you? I th- I love the costume design uh, in this one. Like Benoit's design has changed from the last one, but I think it's also because of the environment that he's in. Um, but also like the other characters, it fits their personalities so well, the way that they dress and act and stuff. I thought that was done very well. Um, trying to think oh, because it's 2020, there's a pandemic going on and that's in this movie. And I <laughs> love that for one main reason. And it's because, well, uh, two reasons. It does a great job for characterization. You can do a lot with that mm-hmm. of how people act, but also because we have a weird, weird gap in cinema and art of fake time. Like, Everything that's been coming out around 2020 and since then has ignored the most things have ignored the pandemic, which is really weird. There have been because there have been a few films on the indie side that either take the pandemic fully head on or the idea around it um, and use it to their advantage. Right, other things like Superstore that have a a few episodes about it or whatever, but or a season. But generally speaking, most art coming out around this time has kind of pretended 2020 didn't happen the same way. They've had an alternate timeline in their worlds, essentially. Which, in 5-10 years looking back, all 2020 art is ignoring what was going on in the world completely, which is not how art usually goes. And it's very strange. Like, usually, a movie made in the 60s, taking place in the 60s, will be will not, like, ignore that the Cold War is happening completely. There, there will be maybe a it will not be an alternate scenario where that never happened. You know, mm-hmm. that's not how this is. That's it's really bizarre. In if you in a point of history, we're just going to pretend history isn't happening or our entire worlds didn't change. That's a weird thing. I'm glad this actually is said in 2020 and it isn't ignoring that. And it also adds great satire to the fuel. Things about, about the pods. And, oh no, we're having a huge party, but they're all in my pod. It's okay. They're- 
my favorite one of my favorite visual gags with Kate Hudson's character. Everyone when they were arriving to go to the island, yep. Kate Hudson's character shows she has one of those masks that's like um a mesh kind a of mask. mask. It does, yeah. yeah, a lace mask that doesn't protect at all. And I just th- found that hilarious. Well, that's my one thing about characterization. They gave each person wore a mask differently, mm-hmm. purposefully. Duke, a David character who's a men's rights activist, has no mask on. Catherine Hans, Congresswoman, has a mask but below her nose. And then, of course, um, Benoit Blanc and um, Janelle Monet's character are both wearing masks properly, which I think is a great characterization. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. I also love that they come in with a spray gun that sprays in their mouths at one point when they go to the island because we can't have our actors in masks the entire time in the movie, of course. So well, they have a clever way around that because they're on the island together. They spray something in their mouths at the dock and they say, you're good. Benoit asks, so what? what is that? Is that kind of a antibacterial thing and they say you're good like, okay i got some good <laughs> it was great the satire overall was great and we can get again more than that in spoilers a bit because there are specific things we can't say without getting into details um i love the set design in this movie uh the set design was gorgeous just like the first one it's real places it's real sets they built things josh it's so nice they, they may have actual props there's amazing Chekhov's gun moments the entire time if you're not aware of what Chekhov's gun is, it's created by Chekhov. It's a thing in art, specifically food, films mostly, but in all art and pieces where if a gun is shown in Act 1, it has to go off by Act 3. It's about setup and payoff. If you set something up in Act 1, it has to happen by Act 3 at some point. And that's kind of the rule. And of course, you can be subversive with it if you do it smartly, but this movie does it beautifully. It pays off many things so well in, in very interesting and creative ways. Um... My favorite moment of that is with a painting. And I can't say what happened with that yet. <laughs> Did you have a favorite uh, performance in this movie, Josh? Without spoiling anything? I mean, of course, Daniel Craig as Benoit Blanc is just an absolute delight in every scene that he's in. Um, but I think the two, like, best scene stealers for me were Kay Hudson and Janelle Monae. Everyone did fantastic, but those two specifically, I was just like, this is wonderful. I love these two. I enjoyed seeing Jessica Hamilton counseling besides... Uh, um, Iron Fist. I saw her in, in The Force Awakens, but I don't remember her character that well in it. Watch The Matrix so, Resurrections. Everyone did a great job. I've seen Edward Norton now in three things. Fight Club, <laughs> this, and The Incredible Hulk. Oh, four things. Sausage Party. <laughs> so yes, my Edward Norton experience has been Incredible Hulk, Fight Club, and this. And it's so vastly different. Um, Spoiler time, Josh? I'm trying to think if there's anything else we can... It'll be on Netflix next week. Go watch it on Netflix. And then come back and listen to this. It it comes out on Netflix right before Christmas. So yes, go watch that. Come back to this episode if you've not seen it yet. And then... Or just skip ahead to our next section. There's a super weird story next. Go skip ahead. Cool? Yeah, do what you want. Spoilers, Josh. It's a fun time. Indubitably. I have one kind of complain about the, this film only and that if, if you watch this film before watching Knives Out because they are separate films like you can watch them separately uh, it makes Knives Out slightly worse for or less surprising because of one thing seeing how good Benoit is in this makes how he had the entire mystery solved in the first Knives Out film immediately like when he first saw Marta he figured out everything immediately in the first film 
that reveal at the end of the first Knives Out film isn't as impressive or like what, what if you watch this film first? I wouldn't say that because in this one, like it's revealed that like throughout like you know the whole day or so, like he was gathering clues and stuff. He still had to find the evidence and stuff. And of course, like um, like with the whole murder mystery game thing happening, like that was similar. Like he had been noticing stuff all day long with Marta. He knew stuff, but he didn't know everything immediately. No, but he knew. He knew that, that she was involved in some way. He just didn't know how. The dirt gave it away pretty fast, though. I thought, and that was what. I think it it makes him, it shows you how skilled he is in this one, quicker than the second than the first one, and that could uh, change your perspective on the first one a bit. That's all. Oh, there's so much to talk about. There's so many details. You know, Justin. I do. Um, a friend of ours, he gave me five stars because he said, "I love how Ryan plays with the games as metaphors for the core mystery." In Knives Out, it's the go board where the innocent and untrained player outmaneuvers her opponent in a complicated game simply by not caring about winning about winning strategy and thus being unpredictable. In Glass Onion, it's easily solvable mysteries like Among Us and Clue, where damning evidence inevitably presents itself. Benoit is able to solve Miles' murder mystery game in a heartbeat because it's a true mystery with complicated and intelligent motives to unravel. But like these other games, he misses the obvious and inevitable evidence dropped by a sloppy murderer who thinks he doesn't need to play the game to win. In a way, Miles is like the anti-Marta. Both make bad murderers, but can seemingly beat the game by not truly playing. Um, but what separates them is their heart and what and what it leads them to do. And Benny, and and Benoit Blanc is nothing if not a good judge of character. Always bet on Blanc. <laughs> but yes, the idea that it really does is mirror the games he is talking about, which is really fun because this is just Among Us. It's Clue. It's not complicated. Everyone has the equal motive. It randomly could go. Any of the ways, and they're all fine ways to go, and that's why it's why it's so obvious. And I loved that. Yes, it's um, very genius. It's genius because, like Benoit Blanc said, it's dumb, but like purposely dumb in a smart way. I, I it's well done. Um, I want to talk about why Janelle Monae is so good in this, though, because she is fantastic. Yeah, she is playing two characters, sort of. You don't know it's two <laughs> characters immediately. Well, she's technically playing one character, playing someone else. That is true. She's playing the sister of who we think she's playing the whole time in the beginning. And it's so cool. Yes. Every line of Dan- out of Dan Craig's mouth in this is gold. I love that they brought up how Edward Norton's character, his character Miles, who is very much an Elon Musk type where he didn't actually do anything. He kind of just bought things and stole things and then pretended to be smart. <laughs> um... And that's kind of who he's playing, which is so topical in 20, and even more topical in our current Twitter dumpster fire. Uh, he's playing, that, he's also making fun of the whole Trump idea that was happening in 2020 as well. The same kind of person who bought his way into things, stole his way into things, but is actually pretending to be a genius the whole time and super smart when he's really just an obnoxious moron who doesn't know what he's talking about. And they do it so early on with the fake things he's saying. I remember early, you know, I, first, I remember when I was watching the movie yesterday, I thought to myself, reclamation's not a word. Not in that way, at least. <laughs> like that. And then, like, okay, maybe he's, he's just eccentric and weird. But no, it all paid off. Like, even the weird things like that. They gave him eccentric, weird things to say. There aren't actual words or things. Yeah. And it's a clue. He is that stupid trying to sound smart. It's the... What I loved about the reveal of this wasn't necessarily 
how the murder went down. It was just to reveal that th- that this man is not is a moron. And he's just like, everything that he said, everything that he's done is the um, are from the brains of someone that has no brains, essentially. It It's so well done. So the, the actual plot of this movie, Josh, now we can spoil what is happening. Um, there is... There's five groups called five people called the disruptors who are a, a friend group head to this guy's private island where he's a giant literal glass onion on basically a beach castle um mostly made of glass there's a pool there's a bunch of stuff they have um he moronically built his dock at, at a place where you can't get to all the time with low tide uh it's really extravagant and awesome. He has this, a car that just spins around a circle because, moronically, he has a car wherever he goes, even where he can't drive it. <laughs> they go for a murder mystery game, which Benoit ruins immediately. <laughs> the, second it, the second it starts, actually, right before it starts, he says, has the game started yet? Well, no one's dead yet. Okay, well, here's how it goes. <laughs> and how it goes down. It's It's so funny. My God. And... It's great, and I think it's even funnier because he says, "I got someone else to write this for me. Someone who's a great writer, but he didn't even come up with it. He he, it's got, a, <laughs> he got the writer of Gone Girl to write it, which I think is very funny. Right, and it's like, but he didn't write it, and then got so it, there's so many details to point out how stupid he really is. It's so funny at the end when it's revealed that he was the one that. Merge and Monet's sister, Daniel Craig was just like, and he even just stole my idea of how to kill Duke. <laughs> right. <laughs> or how to kill Janelle Monet specifically, how to kill with a gun uh-huh. thing. So I want to watch it again for one main reason though, and that's to watch the glass move properly the first in the first clip. Yeah, I want to see those little details because there's a point where Edward Norton is being like, hey, he took my glass by mistake. He took my glass. Someone's trying to murder me. And we just cut to, cut to uh, him putting the glass down and then Duke picking it up. But then when it's revealed, it was revealed that he handed him that glass originally. And I'm sure when we first saw, I'm sure we were shot it the very first time we saw it the real way. Yeah. But our brain, is it willing to accept the different edit later in the film? Yep. Because just from the way the shot is and that it doesn't focus on the glass, we don't, our brain doesn't process that. So when someone tells us that it happened the other way, we're like, oh yeah, of course it happened that way. And our memory in general is so fallible, it's easy to trick us. Our gentleman is playing a woman named Helen in this movie, whose sister is the ex-partner, whose twin sister is the ex-partner of uh, Miles, a.k.a. Edward Norton's character. They used to made a company together. She founded the company. She came up with the core idea of the company. She did all these amazing things for the company. And when she wanted out because she saw how stupid and, and awful Miles was, they basically voted her out of all her shares and her money. And then went to trial. Trying to, she went to trial trying to prove that, prove that she founded it. And then all of Miles' disruptor friends backed him up. So she got nothing. And then when she found the proof that she founded the company, she mysteriously died. And it, now it they was framed as a suicide. Right. Um, because... Everyone, including Miles and all his friends, all lied under oath. First off, they all have reason to have killed her over the proof. So they all had that same motive. But turns out, no, it was the obvious thing. Miles killed her. It was the obvious person. Mm-hmm. And that was really well done. It was because of often murder mysteries, they try and trick you. So when it's not trying to trick you, it's like you won't expect that. Yeah. I My brain was kind of going... Um 
to some different place. I was just like, I think it could be them, but no, that that's too obvious for it. So I, it can't be them. So then throughout the film, I was just like, who is it? And then when it was revealed, I'm just like, God damn it, Ryan Johnson, you genius. <laughs> Janelle Monet um, came to Benoit and was just like, hey, uh, my sister got this mysterious box and she died, but I know she didn't commit suicide because there's no no, no nothing. Um, and I ne- need to hire you to go and figure out who it was that killed him because I know it was one of them. And he was like, well, I can't just show up. That would be very suspicious and start questioning them. So what we're going to do, you're going to pretend to be your sister and I'll uh, show up acting like that I got one of the notes. And then we'll go forth from there and I'll tell him like, oh, someone sent me a note. And then Edward Norton's just like, I didn't send you anything. Thing. He's just like, well, then someone clearly sent me something. Something's a hinky. And that's the point is that if Edward Norton's character knows that he only made five of these puzzle boxes that are invitations, um, that someone there would have had to have sent um, the puzzle box to uh, Benoit Blanc. So he, that was, so he knows for a fact something isn't right, but he can't prove anything. So he lets Benoit stay there, um, which is really creative. Yeah, and it's also it's also nice that the way that he uh, kills Janelle Monet's character, he doesn't know if she like you know dies or not because he knocks her out with uh, sleeping pills and then puts her in her car and has the um, engine running with the door closed. So, but also in that time, she could have woken up and gotten out of there beforehand. So that's why he's so shocked when he sees her, and he has no reason to believe that it's not her. Right, because Benoit also is able to stifle the news coming out right away of. Um, Janelle Monae's character's sister's death. He was able to stop that news from coming out publicly for a little bit until Duke, who was played by um, Dave Bautista, uh, he had Google alerts set up for all his friends, including just for the word movies, which I think was very funny. <laughs> and he found out that she was dead and proved it, and that therefore he got killed. And it's a whole complicated mess. It's it's fun, it's funny trying to like explain this because Benoit just does it so smoothly. And we are two idiots, indeed. I absolutely loved the way this ends because they solved the mystery, but they wouldn't be able to prove it because they found the real evidence of this to prove her the sister, to prove everything, and to prove the murder of of her, to prove the murder of Duke, to do put everything properly on this terrible terrible person. Played by Edward Norton, and the one he, smart thing that he does on his own is burn. He it. burns the he burns the evidence, and of course, all of his disruptive friends, who are in his pocket basically, who all rely on him, just go with him and say that it would you know back what he did, back that there was no evidence, say there was no napkin, etc. Say there was no evidence. And Blanc so is, I, Blanc is like, I can't do anything. My jurisdiction ends here. I can't just arrest him. He's not actually, like, a cop. He's just an investigator, like a detective. Um, It's really well done. So the Mona Lisa is involved in this movie. Yes. And that comes into play in this this end scene. Basically, Blanc tells Janelle Monae just to um, remind him what your sister... Uh, left him for because there's this whole material that they're going to make for renewable energy but it had never been tested properly and he was going to release it within a couple weeks um but it's so dangerous it can basically turn your house into the hindenburg as they put it in the film so blanc gives her the little bit that edward norton gave to him um and she's hydrogen yeah that's exactly what it is it's just hydrogen (laughs) 
Um, so she just starts destroying the house and everything in it, and that starts getting everyone riled up, and they're like, okay, yeah, you know what? Screw this guy. They start destroying everything, and then uh, sets fire to the house, throws the stuff into the fire, blows it up, uh, but the Mona Lisa is still alive. But because Edward Norton's a moron, he built in a Hold fail- on, Josh. We haven't established Mona Lisa even being here yet. Uh, the Mona Lisa is there because he wants to be uh, talked about in the same space as Mona Lisa is. He wants to be that important to society. So he he literally bought it because the Louvre was was down because of the pandemic. And so he bought the Mona Lisa, or at least is renting the Mona Lisa. Right. And because it's the Mona and... Lisa, they have a lot of safety precautions for it. Basically, if your phone but... just dings, it'll shut it off. But he has an override switch, and he shows where they are. Where he shows in Act One where the override switch is. <laughs> To the audience. And, dur- and during her rampage, she uh, flips the failsafe, uh, opens it up, and the Mona Lisa burns. Yes, and now he, he now can no longer make his clear hydrogen uh, product because sell anywhere because he, it will be this exact product that burnt down the Mona Lisa. His fuel would be, would be the thing that burned it down. So now he'll always remember it in that same vein, which is so clever. I love, I love it. I love that they went with the route of like dad we can't really have this like victory of throwing him in jail but we can have more of a moral victory it was very smart and well done also he's going to lose a lot of money anyway oh yeah he's for sure going down for this more so because the congresswoman's going to back out of her plan and so is the tech guy they're all going to back out of what's happening those they're going to come clean because at the end it shows that they have a slight change of heart when they realize how terrible he is even more yeah and they and they will back his character yeah, because, like, Catherine Hahn's character, she could just be like, I wasn't aware that, you know, it was hydrogen. I wasn't aware that it was a literal bomb. I was lied to. And then Leslie's character, he can be like, I kept telling him that we needed years to test this properly, and he just greenlit it without testing it at all. So, overall, Josh, good movie? Indubitably. It's weird to compare this to the first one because of how different the mysteries they are. I can understand trying to compare them, but it's more so trying to compare, like, you know, two different Agatha Christie murder mysteries, like Murder on the Orient Express and Death on the Nile. Like, it seems weird to do that. Um, so, I, I don't know. But compared to the first one, I love both of them. I don't know which one it is I prefer because they're both just so well made and so well done. Big yet. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. I'm Sandra. And I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. 
Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Yay. On to our last topic, Josh. Super weird stories. Explain to Actually, before we do that, before we do that, Josh. You know, what just, you know what just happened? Hmm? Spotify wrapped happened today. Oh, yeah. A thing that I In- don't get because I don't use Spotify. Including for our podcast. Oh, that's neat. Yes, yeah, so we get to see our own wrapped as a podcast and see what, how that went. Oh, that will be interesting. It says, in 2022, Geek Speak Podcast, you did your thing. The people loved it. Did they? I hope they we did. We did. We created 1,404 minutes of new content. That's a... What? That's... Yeah, that seems about right. That's more than 97% of other creators in the arts category. What? That seems off. I mean, that's cool. I'm happy with that. I'm fine with it. And it says, you can't hear us, but we're clapping right now. Uh-huh. I'm sure I'm you are, sure Spotify. You... Sure. <laughs> and then it says, one episode really grabbed listeners' attention. Can you guess your number one? Uh, I think I know what it is, obviously, here. it has. It's the one with Nikhil. We have episode 14, X-Men movie deep dive featuring Nikhil Clayton. <laughs> episode 26, D23, David Harbour, Star Wars and more. Or episode 23, Batgirl canceled and DCU mess. It's Nikhil. Yeah, it's Nikhil. And it's going to say, yes, got it. 999% more streams than your average episode. Well, it's not wrong. Well, no, it's fa- it has the stats. That's hilarious. Guys, listen to our other episodes. Both look the good one. Listen to that one too. Okay, and then next up, we have your podcast. Love to travel. It was heard in 16 countries on Spotify. That's crazy. the United States, United Kingdom, Sweden, Finland, and Australia. Oi, that's cool, Brits. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know you what the want... Swedes say, but thank you, Swedes. Something magical happened between February 20th and February 26th. You had 999% more listeners compared to your average week. Yes, Nikhil Clayton was on. Where, where? <laughs> where do we know what happened there? What are Geek Speak podcast listeners like exactly? What are they like? I don't know. That's a uh, great question. What do y'all like? You should email into the podcast at podgeekspeak at gmail.com or tweet us with hashtag geekspeakpod. It is your podcast listener's personality is... What? The podcastologist. What? I mean, you're not wrong in that people listen to our podcast. <laughs> Your listeners are podcast aficionados. Hell yeah. They're in tune with the past and present to gravitating toward podcasts that stay in the test of time. What does that even mean? I have no idea. That's nonsense, right? It's very much nonsense. Have you been working out? Why are you asking me that, Spotify? This is, <laughs> this is very weird. Oh, your podcast saw a lot of gains this year. They couldn't have just said that. You and your fans have something special. Do we? I, we keep asking I hope so. To, we keep asking them to email. They don't. <laughs> we have a... You're a top 10 podcast for 63 fans. 
you're a top five podcast for 44 fans, and you're a top one uh, podcast. You're the number one podcast for 12 fans. Then the email in. 12 of you were your number one podcast. You 12 people, where are you? <laughs> we keep telling you we, the email, but you don't. We'd love to hear from you. <laughs> so we have the stats and numbers. We know you're listening. We That's know you're listening. <laughs> Reveal That's yourself. Amazing. Speaking of sharing, we made something special for you. What'd you make for us, Spotify? Um, Money? I'd like We'd that. like that. Choose a, a look and go celebrate with your fans. This year we've made 18 episodes. Only, oh wow, that's bad. <laughs> <laughs> look, we have to adult. Uh, in 16 countries with 1.4 thousand minutes and 836% hour, up in hours this year. That's cool. Anyway, back to the show. So Josh, what do you think about that? Uh, we are 12 people's number one podcast. I would like to learn about these 12 people, but no, it does, they don't want to talk to us you for some reason. You can tweet at us. Anyway, Josh, it's time for Super Weird Stories. What is Super Weird Stories, Josh? I don't know nothing about comics, so this is the segment where I learn about comics, but not normal comic stuff. Weird comic stuff. This is a character I'm going to talk to you about who is in my book of The League of Regrettable Superheroes. And this character's name is Gunfire. Interesting. Um, and when I tell you he looks 90s, boy, do I mean that. Is he, like, he was... roided out to no end? It's the armor look, honestly. It makes it happen. I'll show you this look. He's a ginger. Oh. 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 Oof. What the hell, Josh? <laughs> I'm sending you this picture now. So, he is a weapon. There you go. Oh, I get what you mean. Oh, he's a DC he's, character. That's fascinating. Yeah, that's why I said he's from he's from DC. So this also comic this comic was dollar seventy five United States. Now it's like, you know, four dollars for a comic issue. That's crazy. Why does he look like he's holding a hammer? I'll get to it. <laughs> so gunfire. His the quote on the page here is: "You gorillas can stuff those cannons sideways." What? Created by Len Wine and Steve Irwin. Not that Steve Irwin. <laughs> Not the Alligator Man. He debuted uh, in Deathstroke Annual number two in 1993 in October. He is low caliber. Okay. <laughs> in the early 1990s, a way a new wave of comic book heroes arrived in the scene. Until this time, superheroes published by DC Comics had earned a reputation, justified or not, as being the squeaky clean heroes. Marvels were seen it to be more like regular people. But the new breed of superheroes emerging from Image Comics were considered cutting-edge, compared to Image's hardcore, often vicious, and generally lethal, lethal breed of heroes, typically with names beginning and or ending in blood, kill, and death. Very much Rob Liefeld's kind of style. DC's characters seemed to at least 30 years past their heyday. In response to that came Bloodlines, a story arc that crossed dozens of DC titles and dramatically increased the company's roster with a few dozen new grim, edgy, and bloodthirsty heroes. Heroes like Gunfire. Gunfire. Oh boy. I'm so cool. Along with, his, along with his fellow new blood heroes, Gunfire was the victim of an attack by a giant alien parasite who fed on the spinal fluid of human beings. Jesus Christ. That's intense. A, a small percentage of the parasite's victims not only survived the experience, but also developed tumor powers thanks to some X-factor in their genetic makeup, like the X-gene. Uh, each emerged with a different ability. 
In Gunfire's case, that power was simultaneously deadly and absurd. Anything in his hands became a gun. What? <laughs> so, like, he could just grab a coffee mug and that would become a gun? Yep. All right. Whether a block of wood, a coffee mug, <laughs> a, a stapler, a toilet, a, a toilet seat lid, whatever gunfire gets his hands on, transforms itself into a firearm that incidentally shoots concussive force beams rather than bullets. So, like Cyclops, kind of. But any item he grabs. That's even cooler than Cyclops, then. Yeah. Uh, gunfire was a short-lived and awkward concept, but he wasn't alone. His bloodline's peers included Anima, a magical grunge rocker, Mongrel, a young half-Vietnamese, half-African-American man uh, who possessed something called a Dark Force. I don't, I don't know what that is. Um, a rampaging Hulk-like mo- man-monster named Louis Cannon, Loria from Ra- and Razor Sharp, superheroines who could turn themselves into some form of living metal, and Geist, the Twilight Man, a hero who was invisible except when immersed in absolute darkness. But everyone's invisible in the dark, aren't they? <laughs> These newborn heroes all had radical names like Jam, Hook, Ballistic, Nightblade, and Shadow Strike. Naturally, Gunfire had an opposite number named Ricochet. Other foes included Purge, Maraud, Ragnarok, and the most ill-conceived pseudonym of them all, Blowout. Oh my god. Man, the 90s were a weird time. Gunfire ended up a casualty in one of those all-out superhero supervillain brawls that seemed to be constant in comics. And a distinctly satirical follow-up story, an inheritor of Gunfire's superpowers accidentally converts his own posterior into a live grenade and blows <laughs> himself to pieces. And that is the entirety of what I have on Gunfire. What an amazing history. Thoughts, Josh? Bring him in the DCEU. Bring him in the, Su- in the Suicide Squad. Honestly, like, in a Suicide Squad movie, I feel like James Gunn would have a lot of fun with him. And I don't think he'd be the kind of character that would immediately get killed off. Because, like, no. the idea of just taking something, anything, and it turns into a gun is so stupid, but it's so fun. Imagine him beating Peacemaker. Exactly! That's our show, Josh! <laughs> what, what a show it was. Thank you all so much for listening. We know you listen. We had the Spotify rap to prove it. <laughs> we have the numbers. <laughs> Not high numbers, but we have numbers. You can't hide anymore. <laughs> uh, you can email us show in at podgeekspeak at gmail.com or tweet us with hashtag geekspeakpod or at geekspeakpod on Twitter. Josh, where can we all find you online? Oh, I'm places. I'm at where? U- I'm at YouTube, Josh Rudolph, Twitter, Janusquare Rudy28, uh, Instagram, Janusquare Rudy16, and TikTok at Rudy the Film um, Rudy the Film Nerd. That's what I am. Rudy underscore the Film Nerd. That's what it is. I forgot the underscore. And you go. You can find me on Twitter at the Theater Nerd or on TikTok and Instagram at that Nerd Theater. And yeah, thank you so much for listening to the show. We really, really appreciate it. It's mostly just an excuse for Josh and I to talk about comic books and superheroes and pop culture. And it's a really fun time, and we're glad you all listened to it. Thank Indeed. you. It really means a lot to us. And I know episodes have been a bit sporadic lately because life has been busy. And we are working on making that a little easier for ourselves. But scheduling is not consistent when you have week-to-week jobs that change the schedules every week. Mm-hmm. <sighs> all right, man. Thank you all so much for listening, everyone. And have a good time. Yes. Josh, what, what do you want to say if you want to say goodbye? Uh, in, in my best Benoit Blanc voice, 
Uh, well, I do say, uh, this is the stupidest way for me to say goodbye, and, uh, do good, don't die, smash all the way. Go find a cocaine bear. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.